You're listening to The Comfy Medic, a Jooms podcast, a medical student's guide to navigating the complexities of medical school, exploring topics that you want to know so we can help you to feel like a comfy medic. This is part two of our two-part episode in which we chat with two foundation year doctors and alumni of Dundee Medical School discussing the transition between university and working on the wards as doctors, joining student societies, and coping with stress. Choosing your rotations, what advice would you give to our Dundee students? So I think everyone has different priorities and you need to realise what your priorities is. So by rotations, do you mean like where to go for FYI? Yeah. Yeah. So. For me, the priority was that I wanted to take out as many of the outside stressors that um, that come with starting FY. So for me, graduating from Dundee, I knew that if I stayed in Tayside, I knew the hospital relatively well, I knew the area, I knew things like where it was good to, to live, where it was good to rent. Small things that, yes, if you move cities, that you'll get to know within a few months, but I felt like FY was going to be a big jump. So for me, I just wanted to have all those outside stressors removed and kind of focus on the job as the new thing. Whereas I know for a lot of my best friends that are in Edinburgh, Glasgow or down in England, for them, their main priority was a new city, a whole new kind of life. They want to change from the uni to work. Whereas for me, I I didn't really want that. I wanted to stay in Dundee and it was kind of, you know, more what I knew rather than the outside stressors of a new city. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo some of those ideas too, certainly. I think in today's sort of cost of living crisis, it's really important to look at like the price of rent for starters, and Dundee is certainly cheaper than a lot of these places. It's not necessarily something that was big on my list, but I think it's something to think about in today's age. Um, Dundee as well, for me, for me, the, the big thing, again, as Laura said, to reduce external stressors and stuff like that, yeah, absolutely, and Dund- Dundee's great. For me, the big thing that reduces my stress or that, I, that keeps me healthy is sort of commuting by bike, and so for me, that was a big thing for me that just solidified it, and I know it's a really weird thing, but it means a lot to me, and I've been cycling to Nine Wells every day since first year of med, med school, and that's 30 minutes of exercise a day, that, you know 15 there 15 back that I'm getting no matter what sort of day I have mm-hmm. and so all all my FY placements were in nine wells and I knew that if, if you know if I was doing a 12 hour shift and then I stayed late for an extra hour there's no way I'm going to get to the gym that day but getting 30 minutes of exercise in I'm definitely going to get and so for me that that was a big priority for me um, and yeah I think yeah, Dund- Dundee's all sunny, so that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that, you know, I, and so there, and I've, I have actually cycled every day for eight years, and yeah. I think I've maybe been rained on genuinely like under ten times. Oh. So, I, you know, I, I'm not. That's fact. <laughs> so, for the listeners that don't know, um, I can back that up because Sam and I were flatmates before he went on to work at his job. Um, just going off topic for a little bit. So, how did you? Um, do you have any top tips for how to deal with helmet hair? Oh, helmet hair, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually have I actually have one tip, and that is 
just get a locker and shower there. Like, I just, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? And so I actually I, don't think I've seen you with helmet hair, yeah, so that so, clearly works. Yeah, there you go. And so, yeah, so you, you just need to, you need to find a shower in the building and that can be extremely challenging for what these massive hospitals yeah. and they just don't have any change rooms for doctors. And, you know, I'll, I'm not even going to be blunt about it. I think that's horrific. Uh, and it's, that's, a, that's a negative side effect of working at the NHS is the sort of staff facilities. And I would encourage all sort of managers if you're listening here or what are sort of recruitment staff or wh- whoever it is to invest in your staff facilities because mm-hmm. it's actually ultimately better for the environment better for you know health and sort of the um, happiness of your staff as well if we can get everyone sort of cycling or even walking or running to work uh, we're going to have a healthier and happier sort of staff and, and workforce so yeah oh, there we go um Sam's going to be a speaker for the cycling program with the NHS. <laughs> <laughs> Too right. <laughs> I, great. So what should I be doing on my clinical placements? Um, so my take would be obviously learning is, <laughs> is key. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not trying to be silly there. Like, if, uh, There's a lot of placements that you will go on and I feel like you, you probably don't or your learnings maybe not prioritised by the you know whoever's there whether it be the FY the reg the consultant and that's maybe because they're put under pressure from sort of staffing issues and and the the current pressures of the NHS so I just say prioritise your own learning and so you know if you're not learning something in half an hour you need to you need to take responsibility for that and find someone who's going to teach you or try to get involved um, and the number one thing in terms of getting involved I would say certainly when you're in a four when you're in fourth and fifth year or especially fifth year once you've got finals out the way in Dundee is very much uh, learning how to do the job and that kind of echoes what Laura was saying about trying to you know walk in and be prepared I think my number one tip there would just be it's a numbers game um, and so the more cannulas the more bloods that you can get involved with the more examinations uh, the more consultations the more I guess discussing with patients around family members um, and handovers as well, the more you do, the better you'll get and the more you'll learn. So I would just say numbers game, do as much as you can. Yeah, so would you say that if I kind of really put myself into as many opportunities for my placement, then I could prepare myself better for like the job itself? One, 100%, yeah. I, I, I was fairly proactive, I think, and yeah, it did me well. So I, I can only really speak from my own experience and you know, you've, you've got loads of different types of medical students that learn different ways. So it worked for me, it, m- it might not work for you, but I'd certainly say if you're being proactive and seeking opportunities, it's probably always going to do you pretty well. How do I go about like seeking opportunities? Like, Let's say if I turn up to a ward and then they say, oh, there's nothing for you here. Mm. I don't want to waste my day. Like, where should I go? Who should I speak to? Yeah, fin- fantastic question, actually. Um, one that I probably don't have all the answers for, to be honest with you, I think is very dependent on what ward you're on. I think one of the the issues that could cause that would be competition between medical students and kind of having too many students for that one clinical placement, which is only going to become a further issue as we recruit more medical students, which is a good thing um, in some ways, but it does make it more difficult to have that individual-based learning, which is so, so important. Um, I can only say, f- you know, from my, exp- my own experience is you can get turned away and then you can get turned away twice and then you can get told to go grab a coffee and I've already had a coffee. <laughs> uh, so have a coffee before you go in then you can use that excuse. Oh, I've already had one. I would just say it's all about the relationships in terms of introduce yourself early to all members of the team, nursing staff, doctors, 
patients even and that way you're going to you're going to solidify your sort of your place there and the fact that you're meant to be there you're part of that MDT uh, and you, and hopefully you're you're not really going to get sent away and, and things do happen even when nothing's going on some, something's going on you know yeah <laughs> okay. and I would completely echo what Sam was saying about being proactive because um, I as a student I learn by doing so by going onto the wards and doing a lot of the tasks, the blood cannulas, chatting to patients, examining patients, all that stuff is how I learn. Um, I would say in terms of fourth and fifth year, they're two very different years, and this is kind of talking Dundee specific here, mm -hmm. but in fourth year I would say that you're, what you're doing on the ward is that you're learning and practicing to pass your finals, whereas in fifth year you're learning and practicing to pass your fifth year exam but to show that you can be an FY and that you can be a competent FY and I remember as a fifth year student I had like done my first ever ABG and I was really proud of myself and one of the registrars on the ward actually said to me she was like that's actually really good because I had never done one until FY and I remember thinking imagine your first ever ABG was on a deteriorating patient and you know you'd never done it before so you want to practice these things because you know, at four in the morning, when it's just you, there's always help, but if it's just you, when you're the first one there and you need to get that ABG and you've never done it before, that would be a stress that could be avoided if you take the opportunities and just grab everything at uni. And whenever I have students on the wards, fourth and fifth years, I I do kind of, if they're asking me what they can do and opportunities to learn, I do approach them both very differently. Like for the fourth years, um, they have a lot more like case presentations and stuff to do. And I would say, go and chat to this patient and sometimes I say it doesn't matter exactly what the patient tells you because the patient tells everyone different stories but it's about learning the skills to chat to the patients and to examine them and to, you know to gain consent and all these things that you need to practice that you will be doing every day as an FY whereas for the fifth years it would be more like doing the practical skills and again chat to patients but with different things in mind because again you're wanting to be the FY in a few months time. I'll just jump in there as well and one just say shout out to all the great fourth and fifth year students that yeah, help us on the wards. Definitely, definitely. I, I, I genuinely have had, you know, some really bad days, but all the good days is because we've had some great students yeah. with us giving us giving us a hand. And and I think that's a double edged, you know, sword or I don't even compliment, I don't know, because you're there to learn and I appreciate that, but and we don't want to be making use of you as, you know, just there to to be phlebotomists. And so it's is re being really careful with that fine line and going, you know, as long as you're still learning, great. And the best way to achieve that, um, other than, you know, solid solidifying your place in the entity would be to communicate and just say, I really need to get this mini kicks done today or this week. And I, I really want to learn how to do a respiratory exam or, or I'm really not confident, you know, even doing a cannula. Can you, can you sit me down and talk through it? We love teaching. Yeah. I, I don't really know an FY that doesn't. And it's, it makes our day when we can share, you know, these really skills that we mm -hmm. do every day um, and just share that knowledge. Yeah, same. And I also feel like whenever a student shows that they're really proactive and mm. want to learn, you nearly want to help them more. Yeah. Obviously, the students are amazing on the ward, but they've learned all that skills in clinical skills. Mm. And it's really shown in the wards as the fourth and fifth years are able to do their bloods and cannulas. And it's so nice seeing them being really proud of themselves oh, yeah. when they get something for the first time and like being there with them while they do that. It's really nice. That's what they say, Dundee yeah. Vegetables yeah. are great. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah we are amazing. not yeah. biased in the slightest. Not at all. <laughs>
Just in regards to what you guys have seen, I think it's really empowering for our students and listeners here that they don't feel like they're getting in the way. Now that you've said, oh, you know, we want our students to get involved. Like, if you're proactive, then we want to be more Definitely. involved in your learning. I think that's really empowering for our students. So thank you for mentioning that. Um, is there is there any particular person that would be better to approach on, you know, for learning opportunities? Should I be approaching an FY and a registrar? Who should I be going up to? I think it's very very dependent on yeah. where you are. Um, some FYs are based on one word for months. Some are based on one word for one hour. So <laughs> I think you know you'd want to be getting the first FY <laughs> because the second one who's there for an hour is going to be stressed and, and not really be a good teacher. Have have time to sit down and and talk you through things. So I think. Um, maybe just I think FYs are always a good first shout because they're you know they're similar-ish maybe in age but they're certainly similar in sort of their their academic stage and stuff and we've we've been where you guys are pretty you know not too long ago and so we can sort of we can totally empathize and and stand in what corridors and not and not knowing where to go so I'd I'd always, I'd definitely encourage everyone to come to an FY, but mm. you know it's, that doesn't mean that they that they're not going to get great teaching from a, a consultant or a reg or a nurse or a healthcare support worker because they absolutely are and um, just anyone that has a a friendly face I'd say yeah, same. <laughs> a smile can go a long way <laughs> uh, yeah um and one thing I would also just add about placements is to try maybe more so for the fifth years but to try to try sorry and do out of hours placements okay. um so if you're on your foundation assistantship which is the eight week block that you do in fifth year which is to prepare you for your foundation years um try and do maybe maybe even for one of the one week out of the eight weeks try and do like an afternoon to the evening because what you see during that time is so different to the day-to-day ward stuff because as sam has said out of hours after five o'clock you're covering multiple wards you're the only one there you're being bleeped for everything whereas during the day there might be more of a team there's um the wards round happening there's completely different tasks and i've also had a lot of fifth years last year who joined me on some night shifts um and i know that you mm. you did as well and i people used to laugh and say to me in the mess like how come you've always got a student on night shifts and i don't know if it's because a lot of people knew me from uni mm-hmm. and that's why they wanted to do it with me and i know that you were the same but um i think because it's so important to learn these things because a lot of people go into fy never having done any sort of night shift and nights are are different for you eat different stuff you you know you need to try and regulate a sleep pattern in some weird way so i think it's really important to try and do those out of our shifts I'd, I'd say i'd say doing a set of nights not just one a Agreed, set of nights yeah. is a is a non-negotiable in, yeah. you know in in the in medical education i think yeah. everyone should have to do it i, I think yeah. everyone benefits from it uh, is you're going to get you know one-to-one teaching which is great for everyone mm-hmm. and you're going to get hands-on and i think that's that's the two most important things in my, from from my point of view in terms of learning is is that one-to-one teaching and being yeah. hands-on so what's the what's the best tip you can give to somebody who, um, who who might be thinking about doing out of hour placements, going into night shift? Just give me one like one best tip that you learned. So my, my I've got a few. It's good. So, <laughs> okay, um, you can share so a few if you want. I, I think you no. Know, so my, my top tip I think to fifth years who are in their F way who are trying to do bloods and cannulas would be the I I've, I don't know if this is a thing I've termed it the three C's of cannulation and so you need to come prepared so you need to get all your kit and stuff 
ready beforehand, take you know, unpackage all the stuff. Um, you need to be comfortable, and that includes so that includes the patient. So making sure that you've got a pillow under their arm, because you're always it's just a thing. It will make it easier uh, that you know, and that you're comfortable yourself. So if you need to be sitting down or kneeling down or standing or raise the bed, do that. Get yourself in the best position to to essentially to get it. And then the third C would be confidence. And so if you if you're not confident, if you don't see a vein or feel a vein, don't go digging. But if you get the, if you do those th uh, three C's, you're you're gonna get it most times. I would say, you know, that's that's my number one tip for 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 cannulating. And for me, I'm taking such an Irish mammy approach, but make sure you're fed and watered. <laughs> you know, make sure you've got your snacks with you for night shifts because you're hungry on nights in a way that isn't that you might not be during the day. And you might, for me, I can't really stomach a lot of food on night, so I always have soup and then a few like cereal bars, yogurts, things like that. But always make sure come with more snacks and water and things like that than you might anticipate to use because you could be starving at five o'clock in the morning and when you're hungry you can't think you can't perform tasks and you can't practice safely so things like making sure you're fed and watered as any Irish mum would probably tell you I can see Laura going into work with a picnic basket <laughs> I, I've, seen, I, I've, seen, I've seen her going to work with two fresh made massive cakes so, <laughs> and I've eaten said cakes and they're pretty good so so hit up Laura for cakes. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. If you had any advice to give to yourself in first year of medical school, what would it be? Big question. I <laughs> not so much advice, but something that I would say. So I, for people that don't know, um, I did first year twice. So my first first year self and my second first year self were two completely different people. So in my first first year, I just came from Northern Ireland. I was really, really quiet, which people will probably find very hard to believe. <laughs> but I was quite quiet. I wasn't involved in societies. I had just came from home and, you know, washing, cooking, all these things was really, really difficult. And then my second first year self, I was more out of my shell. I could wash and cook and do all those things. I had joined societies, so I had two very different first years. But what I would say to both first year selves, not so much advice, but what I would just say would be that in 60 years down the line you'll not even recognise yourself and you'll be so proud of how far you've come because medical school is amazing but it's it's tough so I would also say keep going and get involved and get involved is the biggest thing that I would say obviously your uni work and trying to pass exams and all that comes first but before that comes looking after yourself and again it's that work-life balance and Sam's smiling I know you can't see this through the podcast it's work balance Laura it is and <laughs> And it is all about that and it's about making sure that you have stuff to do outside of work in uni. You know, I go and I go to a quiz night every week with people from work. We always do like payday drinks and things like that every month and all those things alongside making sure you're eating the right foods and things whenever you're really, really busy you might just want to come home and have a takeaway but you feel awful after that most of the times and meal prepping and all these things that first year me couldn't ever imagine that I'd be sitting saying right now because all you want to do in first year is have a good time <laughs> but that is um the biggest thing would be to get involved and to get organized yeah absolutely and I'd say I, I still have issues washing the dishes so <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely just trying to approach things from more of a you know a benefit and learning perspective and just try to to take all the small wins as well um, and for me I think there's a there's really for I think there is a easy pill that you can take every day to do that and it is exercise and that I genuinely 
you know, I'm sold on it. And I think that that's something that everyone can do some form of. We can, you know, we can go on it, oh, you do this, be this. Everyone can do that. Um, can do one thing a day that can raise their heart rate a wee bit. And it does release endorphins that, you know, make you feel good. And, and you can do it socially in a sports team. You can do it, uh, you know, in a gym yourself to you know and have sort of thoughts yourself and have that time where you don't actually need to socialize and it's quite a social degree and you're speaking to patients and stuff all day sometimes you just need a bit of mental headspace as well um and so that that's kind of what i'd say is i'd really just take more time to exercise and and take care of myself like you did not not that i'm an absolute wreck you know <laughs> i just think it's something that i see a lot of my colleagues now that that don't make time for it and I, I certainly do now. Um, like it's non-negotiable. It's it's really easy to do, it's, but it's difficult to to get started. So yeah. um, that's my my main thing would be yeah, just take care of yourself. So what's next for you guys after FY two? Are you thinking of applying to specialty training, taking out an FY three? That's a very good question, and I do not know the answer. Um, I know that my kind of long-term goal is that I want to do medicine for the elderly but I don't want to go straight into training. So um, what I'm hoping I would do would be maybe stick around in Dundee for another wee while um, and do an FY3 or clinical fellow if there was a job yeah. available. Um, but then who knows, I might go back to Northern Ireland. So for me, the question is, am I going to be in Northern Ireland or, or Scotland? But I think um, the long-term goal is definitely medicine for the elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know exactly what I'll be doing next year. Yeah, my my long term goal was to be a doctor, and now I'm here. <laughs> I've, I've, I've not thought much further than that, to be honest with you. Um, I, and so, I th- and that's a difficult thing in itself. You know, I, I really do enjoy my job, and I kind of just want to keep keep doing what I'm doing, which is difficult because I've, I've done such very varied specialties. I really enjoyed my time in paediatrics with Laura. Um, really enjoying my time in GP at the moment, um, and I like being a generalist as well. So. I think it'd be great to work in a different healthcare system. Um, next year, though, maybe a clinical fellow job, maybe hopefully something in teaching or something like that. That'd be great. Um, I think, again, it's also very important to do things that you're passionate about. They're not just medicine. I'm passionate about sustainability. And so I'd be, I've been looking at masters in sort of healthcare sustainability and climate change management but they're like 20k so <laughs> uh, I think uh, if anyone ha- wants to donate any money or, yeah, or, or, fun, or fund that uh, I'd, I'll be doing that uh, yeah like the Imperial College of London if you can fund it for me but um, no I think get having some sort of uh, maybe further learning opportunity would be really really good as well we'll find out soon enough Aaron yeah all right, Sam, Laura, thank you so much for your advice. I'm sure all our listeners and students are, you know, are going to be really appreciating hearing what you have to say. And what I like to do at the end of my podcast is kind of PR anything you have coming up at the moment or any call to actions that you would want to our listeners to hear about. Awesome. Well, I guess I'd first of all thanks so much for having us on. It's been a pleasure to be here and uh, yeah, really honoured to you know be someone that you're thinking of that's had maybe I don't know, hopefully it's been useful having having me on and it's been useful for me to listen to Laura. So um, I think you can follow me on I guess my socials Sam C Donnelly, um, but I can't say I've got anything wise to say on there. Um, <laughs> what I what I would I guess call to action would be to to get involved with your sort of the BMA. Um, I think there's a lot changing in medicine. Uh, certainly down south with all the strikes and things and we were lucky to avoid strikes um, 
but we might not be so lucky in the future. And so uh, hopefully we can help all our colleagues, those above us and, and the FYs to come by just getting involved with the BMA. So I'd, I'd say just, yeah, go and, go and join that definitely and join Dums as well, if you've not already. <laughs> And yeah, thank you so much, Arne, for um, having us both on. And thanks to Sam as well for being, <laughs> being here with me. Um, and I, again, my socials are L McKenna X. There's not too much exciting stuff on there. But I also um, am helping to run an OSCE practice society for students. So it's open to all uh, years um, of medical students. And it's called Oski Steps to Success, and our at on Instagram is just at Oski Steps to Success, and we run sessions every Wednesday um, at six pm till about half seven, um, and it's the feedback we've got so far has been really, really positive. So I'm going to say they're really good sessions because that's what people have said. <laughs> that's not just me saying that, um, and we'd really appreciate if you check them out. And the final one for me is just make sure to follow Jooms. Our Instagram is Dundee Uni Med Ed Sock. And alter alternatively, if you want to give us a couple of ideas for future podcast episodes, or if you just want to get in touch with us, you can contact us on Jooms at dundee.ac.uk. That's D U M E S at dundee.ac.uk. And so that is. A thank you for Sam and Laura for joining us today and thank you for listening uh, we really encourage feedback from you guys and I hope that you can join us for the next episode alright goodbye now see you later see you soon <laughs> <laughs>